Hi there, and welcome to the Click IQ Academy podcast. The Click IQ Academy is a learning and resources hub for recruiters, shaping the future and featuring insights from the sharpest minds in the industry. I'm Alan Walker, and in this episode, I'm talking to Kirsty Kelly about well-being in the workplace. Hello, Kirsty. Welcome to the Click IQ Academy podcast. It's great to have you here. Um, for those that don't know you, um, who are you and what do you do? There's a question and good morning. Um, so, Kirsty Kelly, um, I describe myself as a bit of a salty old sea dog of the industry, um, simply because I don't want to say how many years I've been involved with recruiting <laughs> in HR. Um, but I, I've dallianced around this world uh, trying to understand how um, well-being, career satisfaction uh, can be baked into everything we do and how technology can help you um uh have probably spent more time being disappointed than delighted uh about uh, actually the way organizations treat their employees but um right now i'm very firmly focused on the subject of well-being um and again how technology can support businesses to um deliver a, a brilliant culture to their employees there's a there's a there's an answer for you alan Love it. Fantastic. So for those that um, are relative layman's, and I think I'll probably throw myself into this camp as well, um, what is well-being and what does it mean? Um, come on, be honest. You said what that? what's that stuff all about? Um, well-being, <laughs> often, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw you under the bus there, Alan. Uh, when we talk about well-being, often your mind is drawn to physical health and you think about perhaps yoga classes and um, maybe, you know, the bowl of fruit your HR team might put on the end of your desk. But well-being is really a far broader topic, not just about the absence of disease and illness. It's quite a, a complex combination of physical, mental, emotional and, and social health factors. And it's very, very strongly linked to happiness and uh, life satisfaction. Broadly speaking, well-being is about how you feel about yourself and your life and therefore how you perform in business. Okay, that makes sense. Absolutely. And um, before I come on to it, I was going to ask you a question around the importance of employee well-being for an organisation. But actually, I'm just going to ask you a, a, a separate sub-question before we do that. Whose who's responsibility is well-being? It, it's su that's such a good question question to ask because you could argue what I've just described to you you know happiness and life satisfaction should be the individual to own um, but but really if if employers share the ownership then they can also share the outcome so let, let me give you one example so sleep deprivation costs the economy 40 billion pounds a year wow so imagine <laughs> So um, imagine if an employer doesn't believe it's their responsibility to encourage uh, employees to, um, you know, measure well-being or go home on time or uh, cast their attentions uh, towards presenteeism, if that's something that culturally is happening in their organisation, then the you can start to see what the financial risk is for an organization that's 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 why it's a shared responsibility okay that makes absolute sense i'd love to know and it's probably a very deep 
powerful piece of research that was done how that 40 billion pounds a year figure comes up from from sleep deprivation but i can imagine it comes down to productivity and efficiency and effectiveness and absenteeism and all those kind of things boiled up together as a yeah and then when you stretch it out you know if you if you just think about your own personal circumstances sleep deprivation which can cause stress stress can cause not just mental health challenges, but physical issues too. So it's the pressure on the health service, um, as you say, absenteeism, but um, that's the starting point for diagnosed mental health issues. Uh, Oh gosh, this is really feeling weighty. The exciting thing is that if you address these things soon enough, then actually day-to-day stress doesn't become debilitating. Okay, that makes absolute sense. So flipping onto the um, the other side of the fence then, from, from the individual to an organisation, um, why is it important um, to get employee wellbeing right for their business? Another, another data point for you. So poor workplace wellbeing can decrease productivity by 63%. And whilst we'd love an organisation to um, start focusing on wellbeing for philanthropic reasons the reality is if you're talking to your CFO then you can start to illustrate the risk to a business's growth by uh, not focusing on productivity and not focusing on well-being but the great news is organizations are starting to realize this they may not know how to step forward though I, th- I think that's a really good point you make there about um, it'd be great if an organisation did this for philanthropic reasons. But actually, I was talking to somebody else about um, inclusion and the, the same thing. Actually, does it matter? As long as it gets done and it benefits society and individuals, um, why the organisation do- is doing it to a certain extent is less important than the fact the organisation is doing it initially, in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And we, you know, we've got to be realistic. A business is, gen- unless it's a charity, but a business is generally there to deliver shareholder value. So I think, you know, regardless of whether we're head of marketing, head of HR, uh, we, we should be talking to the uh, overall investor's agenda. And if that's because of financial risk or growth risk, that's okay. Absolutely. I think where where I get slightly more confused is, is when organisations are, are claiming things are well-being initiatives, when really they're just about making sure people are at work from seven in the morning till seven o'clock at night, rather than true, true well-being. That's a really good point. And it, it's been very interesting to see those businesses actually in the last one to two weeks who have rescinded the opportunity for flexible working because they believe that if an employee isn't sat in front of them, they can't measure their performance, um, which is antiquated at best. Exactly. There's so many different ways that that can be achieved nowadays. The tools that are available, etc., that um, really shouldn't be the sticking point. And it says more to me in those situations that actually that's a, a lack of capability from a, a manager's perspective in terms of being able to clearly define what, what's needed and clearly measure whether that's being delivered. Yeah, yeah. Rather than a sticking point, it's a stick. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, how how does an organisation know whether whether they're delivering an environment that um, encourages employee well-being or, ha- or enables employee well-being rather than uh, being draconian and constantly hitting people with that stick? Yeah, so... 
a typical um, response to measuring this is through um, uh, employee engagement surveys. And and that's a good start. I fear that um, surveying people too regularly doesn't necessarily give you a true view of somebody's well-being or, or even their satisfaction, actually, but that's probably another another uh, interview. Um, if, if you uh, ask me how happy I am or fulfilled I am regularly enough in a culture that is very... Um, aggressive then I'm going to tell you yeah I'm really happy because I want to keep my job so um, so there are a whole bunch of different ways you can understand whether you have a healthy and happy and motivated workforce and um, you know whether that's looking at productivity looking at attrition looking at uh, absence monitoring but I I wonder whether all of those data points which look historically at people and their behavior are already it's already too late if if you if you're looking at your attrition uh, they've already left um so where i'm more interested is to see um businesses that look at real-time data to understand well-being and there's some really cool technology out there looking at um, communication data to determine whether people are stressed that starts to Give me some data points that I can build a, um, a a strategy around. That's really interesting. So yeah, there's 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 plenty of smart technology now. Whether you define it as machine learning or AI or sentiment analysis or whatever it might be, that could really look across dozens of different data points. It could be your your internal comms tool potentially. Um, exactly emails if you'd had a way of making them an anonymous in some some way shape or form although it'd be, it might be a slightly scary area to go into that space there's certainly the whole social media piece and anything that's used as open communication internally you can start to get a feel for how people are interacting and engaging with each other and that's a massive indicator of um, of people's mood i guess and um, and their well-being and then overlay that potentially with some historic stuff and you start to get a really smart view of the what's happened in the past what's happening right now and predicting what's going to happen in the future exactly exactly as you say and and then there's a, a healthy dose of um just a sort of genuine engagement with your employees to offer them what they feel is right for for them so you know i might be happy sad and indifferent in about in about 30 seconds so how can an, an organization determine the re- the right sort of support for me at the right time well actually let the individual decide what they need and the employer should to a certain extent trust that uh, i'm going to as a result improve my performance uh, rather than waiting until there's a problem and identifying that i'm a part of a group that needs support uh, give support to your entire employee base. And um, individuals aren't always the best at necessarily understanding their own well-being, are they? So um, their own mood, etc. Sometimes they'll leave it too late before understanding that maybe the um, anxiety has taken hold or they've fallen into depression or other things are kind of having an impact. Um, how how can people get better about understanding their own well-being? I, I think um, there's a whole load of stuff that you can do as an individual. And, um, and even on the news this morning, there was a really interesting new app that's come out um, that assesses through your DNA the type of food you, can, you should eat. 
they they're using it for people with diabetes but actually i wonder whether those sorts of wearable technologies could be part of our own um sort of focus towards health and well-being use some data ourselves to decide whether or not um we need help apps like headspace great for that um start to consider the changes that we're experiencing ourselves and a great way of doing that uh, uh, are through physical apps as well as um as considering our happiness mental health exactly because how we feel and how we act all has a measurable chemical reaction associated with it doesn't it so if there's some way shape or form of of measuring that on the fly um it will give us that idea of of, of where we're at because we're not again great necessarily interpreting our own feelings exactly alan you're sounding like a well-being expert here i'm a bit of a geek on sciencey stuff it's probably more <laughs> that really <laughs> so um, let's let's go back a few steps so rather than um rather than just looking at the measurement piece what what steps could an organization that hasn't yet even considered well-being in their organization as being something that's important um but now have for some reason maybe listening to people like you Kirsty um have realized that it's something they should be looking at where should they start i think the 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 best starting point is to understand the appetite for change in their business um in many cases um, organizations don't uh, they, they begin an initiative but they don't have true senior stakeholding and so it's important to understand whether the organization the senior executives get it support it and um, and are prepared to invest in a well-being program um, once you know you have that senior stakeholding then you know data's there to help you identify where to focus your attention so you know use data to build the business case whether that's because you do have a a problem with attrition or um that actually you know you've got a culture that um it, we talked earlier about presenteeism you know if it's if it's the expectation is you should be sitting at your desk at seven o'clock in the morning then what might be the implications of that for a working mother or father with children, for example? So build your business case in a way that makes sense and then start to think about the indicators you want to change. Then you can start to think about the initiatives that sit behind it. What I've seen happen more regularly is that it becomes, well-being becomes a strand-led uh, approach with um initiatives that might feel like they're going to do some good like yoga classes and and the fruit bowls on the end of the desk I described but actually they're not measured there's no way of showing an improvement and they quickly become part of people's expectation rather than really understanding that they're there with purpose okay that makes absolute sense so on the on the opposite side of that what kind of initiatives have you seen organizations implement that have had a positive effect and are measurable there's some really interesting stuff um i'm seeing and it it tends to be i sigh because it tends to be the the more agile businesses that get the need to um be brave so uh, one particular organization a marketing company that were finding it difficult to keep their designers and developers um for more than a year or so they all got you know got the wanderlust bug so mm. they um they built uh 
um, a flexible working program that allowed people to travel. So you could travel as you would for a year and you had blocks of time where you were committed to delivering projects from anywhere in the world. That directly attributed to the individual's well-being, not just when they were off travelling, of course, if you're in Australia and still have a job, um, it's, you're going to feel pretty happy. But actually just being un, being engaged with by the organisation to think about their career path and think about their desire to travel showed an increase in productivity and performance. So in the six months ahead of the programme being uh, deployed, um, they had a hugely engaged um, workforce. Mm. And, and some really simple things, other developers reached out to them for a job. It, it spoke their language. I think that works on so many levels. You've got the the, the immediate employee engagement piece and the, and the positivity that comes off the back of that. You've got it as an employer branding exercise as well, um, telling the world that you're that type of organisation that will support individuals in that type of way is, is a fantastic message to send to the world. But then further down the line, you've got the whole retention and loyalty bit piece as well. Exactly. And then we took it a stage further and the individuals that were traveling had the chance to build their own uh, what we called a digital tribe. So they could hire people on their travels because you often bump into like minded folk, um, but they were responsible for then uh, managing that tribe. So we had um, a, a perfect leadership opportunity for them as well. So they're growing as, along. So you mentioned um, a little bit earlier around the organisations that are better at this stuff are typically those that are more agile. And although it's not always the case, agility often comes with a size. Um, how how can those more traditional organisations that are maybe a little bit more, do I dare use the word cumbersome, um, how can they be better around this piece? Because they have that layer of complexity around them. I'm I'm not saying exclusively the smaller and agile businesses, you know, get it. But I think they're they're able to A B test these things. Mm. You know, there, there are some really fabulous big businesses that are doing great stuff, but it just takes longer to deploy and the communication around it needs to be more carefully thought through and geographical nuance needs to be considered. Um but they do have the budget. So you know, organisations like Sky are really interesting and very brave. Amazon, they do some really smart stuff. So I think um, the the likelihood, though, is that they, um, they can test these sort of well-being concepts in smaller um, groups, whether that's mm. in a particular geography or with a particular team, before, rather than trying to roll it out wholesale across multiple locations. No, because it's always guaranteed to to fail there, isn't it? You kind of trial it and act act as a small organisation within a larger one, see what works, get everybody else excited about it, and then roll it out across the whole a whole piece eventually over time. Yeah, exactly that. Perfect. So how how can technology help with well being on on both sides again? So we talked a little bit about I guess you call consumer technology things like Headspace etc. What about technology for an organisation to help manage well being? I think um, technology is an organization's best friend for data capture and measurement. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody starting any of these campaigns with a spreadsheet. That breaks my heart at the thought of it. <laughs> but, 
But also, I think that some of the really smart app technology that's out there can be a, a really sensible way for an organization to touch every one of their employees. And there is a, a huge amount of anxiety around data protection and whether or not you can expect your employee to use their personal phone, for example, with, you know, d- does it have to be on a desktop? But I think we are quickly getting beyond that um, because uh, as an employee, I want to have access to stuff that helps me do my job better. And I'm I'm likely to want to do that when I'm not sat at a desk. So, um, you know, I think I think organisations not being scared to use um, app technology for for well being is uh, is going to be critical. Fantastic. Listen, Kirsty, thank you so much for that. Um, I've I've certainly increased my own understanding of well-being over the last twenty minutes or so. It's been very useful, and I'm sure um, the Click IQ Academy listeners will be um, equally enthused by what you've told us. So that's fantastic. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Alan. Have a good day. And that brings us to the end of this episode. A big thank you to Kirsty for taking the time to chat and a thanks to you all for listening today. Everything we've discussed today can be found at academy.clickiq.co.uk and any questions or feedback can be sent to hello at clickiq.co.uk.